Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As you can probably tell, I'm a huge fan of sports. Whether it's my favorite team, the Los Angeles Rams, or my second favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm an avid fan of the sport they play, which is uh, football. So, of course, I'm familiar with the career of the Super Bowl champion, four times first team all MVFC and MVFC freshman of the year, who has played inside linebacker for both teams. Christian Roseboom, and he's ready to hit some <laughs> touchdowns out of the park right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex. Hey, I'm tripping off mushrooms. Welcome to the Doom Room. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 2, Butt Patrol. So if you haven't checked out Butt Patrol on HBO Max, it's live right now. Go check it out because we're going to end into spoilers. But the big broad strokes of what happens here is the team knows that zombie butts, butts. are on the It's butts. It's all butts, butts man. Butts, you knew butts, it butts. was coming. You knew they were going to have to have a huge butt episode. Uh, mm-hmm. a- a- apocalypse, as I believe it's <laughs> called as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's all butts, man. There's no if ands, but there are butts about it. Because the Doom Patrol has realized there is a zombie butt apocalypse coming. So they're trying to track down the final butt in the wild. The team is also asking for a change of leadership now that Rita has not quite been stepping up to the plate in the way that they want. So everybody goes off on kind of their own missions this episode. We get a classic drama mix them up we get some pairings we haven't really seen before or haven't really enjoyed before we get cliff and madame rouge are together they're trying to kill darren who is zombie they assume it's his zombie butt that's going to cause the apocalypse meanwhile vic and i keep wanting to call him cyborg but he's not cyborg anymore vic oh, and jane not to call him head off to meet with the butt hunter who has captured the last zombie butt and get it out from the uh, underneath the Bureau of Normalcy before they can take it back. And meanwhile, Rita and Larry are sort of butting heads of their own back in the house. Uh, so lots of stuff going on here, as well as the origin of the butts. In the first place, we meet a new character, a scientist slash musical theater major who, minor? I think she has a minor in musical theater, uh, who is training the butts. So... Ludicrous stuff going on here that that ties all the way back into season one. We get to see some scenes from a different perspective there, which I thought was very fun. Another great episode of the show, Pete. Yeah, I was uh, 
what's what's insane is they took a, a butt apocalypse. Uh, you know, could have just made it ridiculous and over the top, but they have this artsy kind of style to it. They have uh, an interesting take. I thought this was a, a fantastic episode. Um, really felt like you know the first episode was like, oh, this is exciting. We're getting a new season, but this to me feels like okay. Now we're kind of cooking with gas here. This really feels like the Doom Patrol that I know and love. I thought this was an awesome episode they really uh it's it's crazy but it's also there's some real heart and some real uh emotions going on here and it's it's uh it's kind of it's a fun roller coaster to be on with this insane show for sure and i feel like this was just a great app i i'll admit that Worry is probably too strong of a word, but I was a little worried going in with all the butt stuff, knowing that was going to be happening this season. I think comedically, you can't ignore it, right? Like, you've got a zombie butt out there. You have to lead into it. You have to take it as far as you possibly can. But I think this episode, to the point that you're making, Pete, takes it a really far way to making it fleshing it out and making you feel for the butts, which is a crazy thing. Like, for example, maybe there's just me not being observant. I didn't know that they had eyes on their cheeks before. I thought they were just mouths and cheeks. Yeah, Yeah. I just didn't notice it. I didn't. But we meet in particular through this musical theater aficionado. Uh, We end up meeting a bunch of the butts. She trades them in musical theater songs. We start out at the beginning of the episode with Ladies Who Lunch, or this very long montage, which I thought was very cool, of a guy trying to set up a fake town for the butts to attack, and it's played out as a horror movie. It's a great sequence. And then later on, we get a full-on musical number, though, once she's trained them and really found this empathy for them to Shapoopy from the music band, which... Maybe one of the wildest things I've ever seen on TV. Yeah, but also, I mean, you know, you talk about the, you know, here are these wild animal butts, right? And you're, they they seem like, oh, my God, um, you know, you zombify these things and how do you stop them? Uh, but I love the... The thing about the power of music, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You could be like sitting down, you know, being like, you know, I'm just going to sit this one out. Your jam comes on. Your butt's like, no, we're on the floor. Let's go. We're getting mm-hmm. up. We got to dance to this. That's the power of music. And I like how that even these wild uh, butts can be tamed uh, <laughs> by music. The right song uh, can get them all on board. And the choreography was so ridiculous and so much fun. It, it was just I I feel like this has got to be one of the craziest writers rooms or at least some of the most fun like what's the craziest idea you have how do we make this work uh, type of atmosphere because this is just I can't imagine grown people sitting around the room be like what if the butts all (laughs) you know like it was just uh, well uh, legitimately not to you know, uh, fanfic the writer's room of Doom Patrol or anything like that. But I imagine they knew they had to follow the butts like we were talking about earlier. They had to have them uh, amp up in some way. But at some point, probably very soon in the writer's room, somebody brought up, we can't just have butts running around. What is the emotional... (laughs) 
I, I think here. somebody would, in the writers' room would be like, "Can't we though? We probably could. <laughs> yeah, we, we can get away with it. Not a yeah. lot of people are watching the show. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Not, it's okay. We love uh, it. It's fine. But at the same time, you got to get into that emotional uh, heft for it. And what I loved about this episode, just to get back to it, is it's not just the emotional heft for the Doom Patrol. That's what we got in the first episode in terms of there are these stakes of. There's an apocalypse. They caused it. An apocalypse. An apocalypse. What do they do about that? Here we get Sympathy for the Butts. One of my favorite songs, Sympathy for the Butts. Uh, I love hearing that in movies. They use it all the time as a needle drop. It's great. But we find that through this character who is a very classic Doom Patrol character where, honestly, when they introduced her at the beginning, I think it's 2016, she's brought in as an expert to work with these butts. It and is I was 2016, like, yeah. And she comes in and is like, oh, hey, uh, okay, I'm uh, I'm here to help uh, on this project. Very excited to work on it. But the way that they slowly build up that she's into musical theater, where she goes through the scanner and she's sort of doing poses. I was like, oh, that's funny. She's doing poses there. She's kind of a quirky weirdo. And then she started walking and snapping through the hallway and doing jazz hands and everything. And I was like, what is going on here? And it honestly took me probably 30 seconds to be like, all right, I'm watching Doom Patrol. Okay, I get it. Everybody's weirdos. Like, literally everybody. So to have her as somebody who is the scientist, cares very deeply about different species and understands them and is working on training them, but also loves musical theater as a minor, it's a great detail. And it really... I don't know how you feel about musical theater. I love musical theater. So I think having these songs playing in the background and having them connect through these songs is a really great way, like you were saying, of bringing out this emotion like that. That's one of my favorite songs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, um, it's it's one of those things where it, it's just a fun character kind of reveal and a perfect fit. And also, um, you know, it's believable that, you know, someone who is quirky would be into musical theater and, you know, um, why not for such a ridiculous task have someone who is a little bit off, you know what I mean? Like, I want to say off center because there's nothing wrong with this person, but somebody who is uh, an outside thinker to kind of solve this insane problem of rabid butts all over the place. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. It was such a fun kind of moment of like, we got to bring in the expert. And here comes uh, Dr. Yu, who is just kind of like strolling through an insane asylum of horrors and and uh, just all sorts of things and just doesn't seem to be having a problem with it. Uh, a normal person walking down that hall might have a lot of questions, might, you know, but uh, yeah, it was just such a fun choice and such a cool um casting and and uh yeah i'm excited to see what happens uh going forward and how it's all gonna unfold but um yeah i mean there's just uh the whole like i mean you know i don't want to i don't know what you want to get into first but well i was thinking why don't we wrap up this you storyline just because it takes place back in time and then at the very end we get the tag after they think they've solved this whole butt problem of course they haven't They haven't solved the butt problem. Dr. Yu, it's revealed, has a butt that she's hanging out with. She's 
feeding Mentalos, a cereal, a very cute little in-joke there, in an enormous bowl. I love your attention to products. It's really always, just a joy. Yeah, yeah. If there's food in a scene, oh, I'm going to look at that food. <laughs> The uh, the butt though and her are singing and having a delightful Nicholas time. Nicholas is her her butt. Nicholas, there you go. Uh, yeah. It was Nicholas and Timothy was the other one or something like that. Mm, I'm looking. I don't know. It's definitely a name like that. Regardless, Nicholas survived. You feel a lot of sympathy for that. Curious to see how he turns into a zombie, but I guess we'll find out. Um, but that's her storyline. I was thinking, why don't we go back and talk about the pairings? And I'd actually love to start with Rita and Larry particularly because I completely forgot Larry in the last episode. So, A, I want to make sure I don't forget him this time. And B, I wanted to delve into, we talked about a little bit about how his storyline felt a little diminished in the premiere. Do you think what was going on here in terms of him investigating Keeg and what happened with Keeg when they went to the future, as well as his frequent clashes with Rita? How did you feel about the storyline in this episode? Well, it's tough because uh, Larry's got a lot going on. You know, um, he's got, uh, you know, the buttpocalypse, but he's also dealing with such inner turmoil with Keeg where, you know, talk to future self and there's some real uh, uh, found out some information that it feels like Larry needs to know. But um Keeg seems like uh, kind of shut off about it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a real crisis of your inner child for sure, it feels like. So I'm interested to see uh, what's going to happen with the Keeg and Larry. And it, it feels like maybe uh, they need to go separate ways or, you know, maybe sit down and uh, do like an interview, which seems like a popular thing to do now. <laughs> you know. I- I want to see, I still need to see more of Larry. It feels like his storyline right now is stuck in earlier seasons of Doom Patrol. And I imagine uh, they're smart, like we've talked about. We have oodles of fanfic. I think we have a couple of hundred different fanfics about the writer room of Doom Patrol. You can check them out on Archive of their own under our username. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but they're very intense and often very sexual, honestly. Right, Pete? Oh, my God. Yes. Please stop. Anyway, my point being, they know what they're doing, so I'm willing to trust them here. But at the same time, Larry is the one who seems to be kind of digging in his heels the most, while everybody else is saying, no, we're going to move forward and we're going to be better. Where we know in classic Doom Patrol style, they're always moving forward to move two steps back, but he is stuck in the two steps back right now. So I want to see a little more push there. Um, The more interesting thing to me is how it intersected with Rita's storyline, which she is very much front and center here, even though they're shoving her to the side in terms of she's upset at Larry for being in on this vote and not being her ally here. But also he lays into her by the end of the episode and really gives a sense of no, she she did uh, she was doing the wrong thing. She was talking to them as kind of like a school teacher and giving them gold stars and pushing them and pushing them and pushing them because that this doesn't really come up. I don't think of the episode, but that's what her mother did to her was constantly pushing her. So yeah, I, it kind of Rita takes on a, a kind of a role. She gets kind of lost in her work and and is not caring or is just kind of barking orders and not treating people, uh, you know, more human. Uh, and it's tough because Rita's so focused on the work. She's not paying attention to how the facts and stuff are being delivered. She's 
trying her what she thinks is her best, but just is, you know, kind of pushing people away. And it's, uh, you know, it's tough because she feels like she has to step up and she is stepping up and no one else is doing it. So it's one of those things where, you know, once someone feels like they're doing more than others, that's going to kind of be a cancer that's going to start eating at stuff. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a hard position to be in, and it's also um, especially tough because it's Rita, and she feels very close to Larry, and she's literally like chasing him around in this mm-hmm. episode. Like, pay attention to me. Why can't we talk? Like, everybody's pushing me away, and it's uh, it's it's rough. And but it's you know it's one of those things where when people are dealing with stuff and you know not as aware. You know, they're kind of lost in their own thing to not realize what they're doing to others. So, uh, you know, hopefully, and I think this will happen, Rita will realize, you know, what she's been doing and adjust accordingly and win their trust back. Because I do think Rita can be a great leader. You know, she's just mm-hmm. making some rookie mistakes and kind of just got to learn and grow. And I think she'll she'll be that way. But also what I love about the show is the fact that, like, it's not easy for people. They're not like, oh, I can figure out my problem. And next episode, it's all worked out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fun to see. Not fun. But I'm I'm glad that they're, you know, Larry's struggling. You know what I mean? It's not just like, okay, I went to my future self and now I'm good. And I just won't be here on this date when I die or whatever. You know, it's more complex than that. And it's uh, for real growth to happen. It takes time. So I'm glad that they're doing this kind of uh, choice with these characters. Let's move on and talk about Jane and Vic, which I thought was a really interesting pairing to throw together, particularly because though it was very fun to see them together and their interaction with the butt hunter was appropriately ridiculous. The more interesting thing to me is what is going on with them individually, that Jane has this literal puzzle she needs to solve and trying to figure that out. And thanks to Vic and thanks to the pairing with Vic, she finds out about this recording that he made with Kay, a.k.a. the actual personality of Jane, back in the previous season. And she gets to watch it, and she finds out that Kay doesn't need Jane as her protector anymore, which completely changes how she's going to approach things, who she is, what her place is in the underground, as well as in the team, in Doom Patrol. And Vic, on the other hand, is really grappling with the same sort of identity issues in terms of he doesn't have cyborg pants anymore. So who is he? Can he live a normal life? His future self seemed to tell him, no, he can't. He can't have it all. But thanks to taking care of the final zombie butt this episode, or so he thinks, uh, he feels like he's able to move on. And I really like these. I thought these were both really good emotional arcs. And I liked how pairing them together gave each one the information they needed to move forward. So I thought this was very strong. I, I did, too. And I also liked, you know, the the kind of zingers they had at each other. I feel like they do good at kind of calling each other out on their shit a little bit. You know, the line where it's like you usually like an energy drink commercial, you know, it's fun. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like, um, yeah, the odd pairings in this episode was cool. It was fun to see these people interacting with each other, just the two of them. And that's also what's nice about the show is they mix things up. Uh, it's fun to see how different characters bounce off each other or how they interact or adjust when they're just in their own little world. So, uh, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed that. And I feel like, though, if they would just team up and talk a little bit, I feel mm-hmm. like Vic would be willing to help her with her puzzle. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, well, so, it does seem to be kind of a magic puzzle that twists together and matches up when it's in her hands. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a real puzzle or a mind puzzle. I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's it's true. It would be frustrating to be doing a puzzle with somebody who was like controlling the pieces and stuff. I also feel like it's the sort of thing, if it's a real puzzle, we're definitely going to get a storyline at some point where Cliff's going to walk in and get a piece stuck in his foot and they're going to be missing one piece and we'll be like, oh, fuck, it was down here the entire time. (laughs) Something like that. I don't know, just spitballing. (laughs) They don't have to take me into the writer's room, but I'd love to. I'd love to do that. I'm just saying, just as a pitch, it's fine. (laughs) Joking. Anyway, yes, the storyline is great. My only note of warning here, and again, I don't think we're necessarily going to repeat the mistakes of the past, but they've had several storylines with Vic where he gets involved in other people and then disappears from the group for episodes at a time. This version of Vic, this cyborg implantless version of Vic, is, I think, my favorite that I've seen Yovian Wade on the show so far. He really feels like a little bit lighter, a little bit more integrated into the group. I like the way that he's working off of everybody. It also, in Doom Patrol fashion, really knocks him off kilter, which I think is interesting in the place that all of the Doom Patrol should really be in at all points. So if he does get back with his old buddies and hang out with them, and then there's a whole multiple episode plot line where he's off on that, that's going to be a little bit of a bummer. But again, I trust the show enough to see where it goes. I just, I wonder though, I'm just wondering if it's just like, it's too expensive to keep putting the suits and stuff on them. Then where mm. it's just like, if we can just keep them regular, I don't, I don't know the if the money too- we save on the budget would be like great for the show. And the actors probably like, yeah, that would be cool if I could just show up as me sometimes. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's, it's hard because I, you know, cyborg, I don't know what I should be rooting for for him because I want him to be cyborg because that's how I know him. But I don't know if that's really the best thing for him right now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. I feel like I'm pushing uh, for something that maybe isn't right yet. Yeah, I don't know. We'll really have to see because the open question, I think, is if he has a normal life, will he be happy? And the answer is probably not. And part of that is because... He has that hero drive in him. That is the thing that makes him fulfilled. That's what they talk about a lot this episode. And I don't think he can get away from it. I think ultimately what will happen is he'll hang out with regular dudes and find out, no, Wade, I kind of miss the weirdos that I live with in a house together. That's what I need to lead into. Whether that will lead him to getting the implants back or not, I guess we'll see. What but we also, talk- if he was yeah. a cyborg, he could like scan the pieces and just be like, okay, yeah, this doesn't really fit a puzzle. This is more like you have to melt this into something with your mind or something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because it's Again, like, it may not be a physical puzzle. We'll just have to see. I know, but it, it kind of seems like, because when she's like, there's no end pieces, I was like, well, how is that even possible? Because the mind manic continues. It just grows and grows your no, entire I, life. I, I, I understand it. Uh, <laughs> there are also physical pieces there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The brain's a physical object, but oh it's so much more, man. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Anyway, why don't we move on and talk about the Vic. final pa- pairing here. Let's talk about Cliff and Madame yeah. Rouge, who go on a bike adventure to go kill Darren and his zombie butt and instead find him just living a peaceful life, harvesting tomatoes and trying not to eat people's brains. Um, this was great. I love this pairing. Uh, it what, was... What, 
so much more than I thought it would be. Like, first off, the fact that they start off on bikes and like some <laughs> lovely bike riding music is playing and it's like soft lighting and they're just like, oh, uh, was such a funny kind of start to this crazy adventure. You know, then we get the whole kind of like, oh, look, a Grand Torino, that kind of stuff where we're having different can, kind of. Can I just interrupt you for a sure. second? Because they got to the Grand Torino and I was like, what is going on here? Why are we stopping and looking at this car? And ultimately, other than the fact that Darren Paris is by on the tractor, it sort of stops them to get to that point. That's sort of the plot device there. I was like, it doesn't really play into the plot other than there's a car there. Maybe they'll come back to it at some point. Maybe it's something from earlier seasons that I'm just forgetting. Most likely. Dude, he was is. a race car driver. Cars are important no, no, to no, this but guy. That what specific you... car, I mean, maybe it's something from an earlier season. That's he said it was, it was uh, it, like he used to have one. Right. That so it's probably car. his, right? It could be, yeah. Whatever I, it is, I was I watching that scene. it was just scene. a talking point to make him stop and to be like, Sure. Yeah. But my point is, I was watching the scene and I was like, why are they stopping and talking about this car so much? Who is this scene for? And then I remembered, oh, right, Pete. It's for Pete. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's who this scene is there for, is just stopping and having his favorite cursing robot guy talking about a car for like five solid minutes. Well, I mean, it says, you know, car people are going to stop. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, what What car is that? What is that? You know? So I, I thought it was cool that Cliff did, you know, want to stop and talk about that car. And the fact that, because it's also overgrown, you know, who cares what kind of car it was? Well, someone who used to drive cars or race cars, somebody who uh, loves cars or uh, I think would stop. So it was such a weird moment of like kid like wonder he gets off the bike and be like oh my god a car and it's kind of like wait we can't stop an adventure because you saw a car at the side of the road but also what was funny was the you know the kind of meta in this episode with uh cliff where it was just like you know stop with your 37 f-bombs that you drop her <laughs> you know when they were talking about that it was so funny uh and then he got to swear immediately after it was just such a fun uh, kind of leaning into the the cliff of it all. So I thought this was an amazing cliff episode. And then the, you know, how he even calls out, like all of a sudden this turned into old yeller. It went from being a zombie movie to like, now I'm sad and I have to uh, kill this uh, adorable zombie guy who seems like he's doing great out here. Like, you know, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, this guy doesn't seem like the problem. Um, yeah, but then, you know, because you're with Madame Rouge, she knows what to do to kind of, uh, you know, I turn mean, the knife. that whole bit, first of all, revealing that she doused the bike helmets in cologne in order to mask their scent. Great. But her using a fishing rod to take it off was so sticky and so funny and ridiculous. But so glad they did it. Um, the big emotional thing, though, that I can't believe they got to so quickly, but I'm glad they are pacing up through this, is Cliff is wearing this oven mitt because he now has one finger that can feel and he wants to touch his uh, As soon as he put the mitt on, you knew he wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to be the first thing he touched. Absolutely. But then when it happens, I was like, oh, God, that's the first thing he touched. It was yeah. just like, oh. The worst thing possible is the yeah. inside of Darren's head. And he's yeah. like, why is it so cold? Why is it so cold? cold? Oh, oh, so oh sad. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so sad. 
Uh, and my clinical analytical brain is like, well, you already did it. So lead into it and touch the other stuff that you ignored in the previous episode. Stop playing around. Like you could have all of your fingers touch your grandson if you want. But of course, he's not going to do that. He's going to keep sticking that finger in more and more increasingly horrible stuff. Oh, God, I hope not. God, I, I hope not. I can't believe it happened in episode two, though. Good for them. <laughs> Very nice. What other moments from the episode do you want to call out in particular, Pete? Anything uh, the fun line with the butt hunter where he's like, butt hunting is not chess. It's, uh, and then there was a pause. He's like, like Yahtzee. <laughs> it's <just laughs> such a funny line. Uh, I also uh, want to mention, it took me a second. Butt hunter looks a lot like the guy who played beard hunter the previous yeah. season. They're different guys though, right? Yeah. No, I think it's that same actor. You think it's the same actor? I should have yeah. looked this up. I yeah. Really, yeah. But, all right. I think it is. Um, or they purposely did something very similar mm-hmm. to kind of mess with us, which would be pretty amazing. I guess no way of looking at the credits. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. Oh, the Jazz Crabs t-shirt was hysterical. Very fun. Yeah. And the bit, what was she? Rita made them tuna salad sandwiches, and mm-hmm. she's just snacking away at that until she says, who's going to give you tuna salad sandwiches? And then Jane is like, Bleh. very fun as well yeah that was hysterical and also I'll just mention the moment at the end where they bring in the zombie butt and they're like hey Cliff can you kill it you're good at killing things now and he just stands there and says can you give me a minute and he's just prone and leaning over that ice coffin for the zombie butt is so sad. One of the saddest things I think they've ever done on the show. Yeah, and then the slow reveal as it pans out that Madame Rouge is just on the steps, like, I don't know, maybe enjoying how No, I don't think so. Her journey is really interesting in this episode, I think, because the first episode we established that she doesn't want to be known as a villain and that she's put into this leadership position where she's told, we're doing this because... You're a supervillain. You can take us to places, dark places that we can't necessarily go. And she kind of jumps into it, but defaults it. She micromanages it onto Cliff instead. But ultimately, she's realizing that even if she put the physical labor onto Cliff, I think that moment on the stairs, I took that as it's still on her. It's her responsibility. She did this thing, and she really doesn't want to be this person anymore, but she keeps they keep pulling him back in. Yeah, but she kind of had her first kind of flash. I don't know if it's her first, but she had a big kind of flashback to her past life and who she was there in this episode when Cliff was doing the murdering. So that was going to, I feel like that's a key moment for her that hopefully more and more stuff is going to come back to her. Uh, and she's going to have to make a choice of who she's going to be, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of which, that's a nice segue to talk about who is most doomed this episode. Pete, who do you feel is most doomed coming out of this episode? I, I got to feel like it's Larry. He couldn't even get his shit together to get outside the house in this episode. Uh, you know, him and the Keegs got to sit down, really have a heart to heart and figure out a way to communicate because uh, it's, not, it's not looking good. I'm going to throw it out to Dr. Yu, I think, is most doomed in this episode because she's having a great time with this butt, and I don't think that necessarily going to go wrong, but the Doom Patrol are going to screw this up somehow. It's going to turn into a zombie butt. I think she's probably going to be the first one to go, and it's going to be very, very sad when Uh Nicholas the butt chows down on Dr. Yu first, but I guess we'll see what happens. If 
you would like to support the podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Duke Patrol, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. But now, before we go, a Pete of advice from oh, Pete man. LePage, who is always well prepared for this. Take it away, Pete. Yeah, I, you've got to listen to your butt. All right, you really got to listen to your butt, and if it wants to dance, you got to let it loose. You know what I mean? Uh, don't be afraid to get out there on the floor and lead with your butt. Thanks, Pete. I'll remember that the next time I'm on the dance floor. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.